Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening today. Good morning. My name is Tanner Orell, for those who don't know me, and I have the privilege, the absolute honor uh, of being the student life minister here at Christ Pacific Church. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. Yeah, feel free. Uh, hooting and hollering is great. Good amens. A nice guttural growl of encouragement is all welcome. I'm used to kids yelling all sorts of silly things, and it just, just fuel in the fire. Gets me fired up, so uh, I love feedback. Keep it coming. Um, but even though I just did this first service, um, I am still feeling a little nervous. And something I learned from Peter a couple months ago, Peter had memorized a psalm, and he recited it for us. And I was like, that's so cool. I want to start memorizing scripture. So I'm going to share with you guys one of my favorite verses right now uh, that has been kind of my theme verse for this summer. Um, and it is, rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be seen by all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious in anything, but in all things, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ooh, yeah. Beautiful. Um, you guys, Britt and Cole that were just up here, Britt on the keys, and Cole, super hot guy back there, slamming on the drums. Uh, they have quickly become two of my closest friends. Super thankful for them. Um, and it all started because after church, every Sunday, I would pester and pester them. I would say, hey, let's go get lunch Sunday. Let's go get lunch after church. Let's go lunch after church. And they're always like, oh, yeah, we're busy. Um, but eventually they caved. And she's like, oh, my gosh, yes, please stop asking. We'll go to lunch with you and Chloe. And, um, <laughs> And it just snowballed from there, and uh, a lot of lunches later, um, they've been forced to hang out with me a lot this last year. Um, and that's what we're talking about today, is just pursuing people uh, kind of through food, uh, kind of through meals and dinner. And um, as simple as having a meal is with someone, uh, it's extremely powerful, it's shockingly powerful. And I, there's few people more equipped to talk about food than myself. I have a weird, weird love affair with food. Um, I first, food was my first love, you guys. First fell in love with food uh, with just my mom's spaghetti. Um, we're not Italian in any way, but Doodlebug, that is her God-given name, Doodlebug, she whips up some incredible spaghetti. And from there, just I fell more and more in love with food at a super young age. And uh, Next, and maybe like third grade or so, I met this guy named Joe Mascatolo, and Joe taught me how to make calzones. And I just started making calzones all the time. And I'm like, anything my dad pulled off the grill, I was just like, I want to do that. How do you do that? And I just had this weird love affair with food. Where I was like, food's amazing. It has the ability to spark memories. It can create joy. It makes people gather together. Um, and as we're going to see, food has its place uh, in the scripture. And Michael Frost, who's kind of, uh, who sparked the idea for this series that we're going through, said that Jesus' last meal with friends became the core sacrament of our faith, and eating together is a key practice for Christian fellowship. And I couldn't agree more. 
Um, and this, <clears throat> excuse me, this sermon series that we're going through that Dean kicked off last week, it's called Surprise the World. And the idea is that we're going to surprise the world with the gospel through five missional habits. Last week, the first missional habit we talked about was bless. And the fact that each of us, because of the things we've been gifted with, our talents, our time, our resources, we are in fact blessed to be a blessing to the people around us. We are called to bless people around us. Um, and we talked about the five different love languages. And I connect most passionately with gift-giving and acts of service. That's how I often communicate to people that I love them is through gift-giving and acts of service. And that a lot of times takes the form in cooking for people. Love to cook pe- for people. I love to buy people food for whatever. Again, just because I'm passionate about food. Um, and so today's uh, theme is actually eat. And so again, I'm, I'm super honored that His Holiness Reverend Peter was like, hey, I would like you to talk about eat. Uh, I think you're gifted in that. And so I was, I was very quick to respond and say, absolutely, I would be honored. Um, I realized that I, my love for food was a problem also at a very young age. When I remember I was still like finishing my lunch, I still had a few scraps in my mouth chewing away, and I looked to mother and I said, mother, what's for dinner? <laughs> and I, I don't remember, remember this so vividly, but she said, Tanner, we eat to live, we do not live to eat. I'm like, yeah, technically you're right, but I disagree on every level. Um, <laughs> as we're going to see, but, um, and thankfully, my wife, she also shares the same weird love for food that I do. We're total foodies, um, and we're, we're a great team, I think, because she's, like, the most incredible host. Her decor skills are incredible, and um, she's just really great at inviting people into our home, and then I love to serve people and cook food, and so when we first got married, and we were just moving out together, we were like, hey, we need a big table. We need a really, really big table for people to come and gather, and we feel called to bless our friends and our family um, by serving them food and, like, let this be a home for people to gather in. And so we start going to look at furniture, and the crazy thing about furniture, you guys, the bigger the furniture, the more expensive it is, uh, which I didn't realize. And, you know, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm not swimming in cash, and so we're like, wow, but we have to get a big table. We have to get a big table. And so she was like, do you want to just make one? Our buddy John made a really cool table. Just copy him. I'm like, I copy everything John does. Sure, I'll do that too. And so uh, would you guys throw that picture up there for me? Yeah. Um, That's Chloe. She's modeling, doing a super good job. But yeah, my buddy John helped me slap this bad boy together. It's like almost eight feet long. It's like four feet wide. You can show that other picture. We got a nice little bench, cool little crystal thing on there. Um, but we've gotten a lot of people to gather around this table. And every Wednesday night, we get to have some of my closest, closest, closest friends come over. And we get to serve them dinner um, and just do fellowship together every Wednesday night. And a couple of our friends um, aren't believers yet. And it's just a really fun way for Chloe and I get to love these people and just gather uh, to eat. Because eating is spectacular. Um, eating is the best. That's right. Um, this last, like, maybe year and a half, we've seen, like, a lot of growth in our youth group, which has been so much fun and really cool to be a part of. Such a blessing, and I think a big part of that was because of our Taco Tuesdays that we were doing. And uh, as, my, as my father-in-law has always said, you feed them and they will come. And I've learned that that is true. And uh, Tuesdays after school, 
uh, every Tuesday we were doing this. After school, we were just inviting the kids from, you know, Sowers and Edison and Talbert and Huntington, like, just come over right after school, and I will feed you unlimited tacos. We'll play games. And the cost of a taco, this is, this is all you have to pay. You have to tell me your name, your grade, and something you're passionate about, and then tacos are free. And I think that's a small price to pay for some, like, delicious handmade tacos. Amen? Amen. And uh, more and more faces started showing up at Taco Tuesday. Uh, and these faces started sticking around and started coming to Thursday nights to the dock and started coming on Sunday mornings. I'm like, food is powerful. Food is really powerful. And uh, I'm excited to share with you guys um, an encounter with food that Jesus has. <laughs> um, but would you guys pray with me first? Uh, Father, above all else, uh, our request this morning is that you are glorified, that your word is glorified, uh, and that I speak truth, God, and that we open, you open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word that you have prepared for us. Amen. Um, we're going to take a dark, dark turn really quick. Imagine for a moment that the United States of America was invaded, and somehow our military and our government were overthrown by some foreign power. And this foreign group all of a sudden establishes martial law. And when you get up to go to work in the morning, when you go to the grocery store, when you drop your kids off at school, when you go to church, there are armed soldiers patrolling your neighborhood. You see them everywhere you go. They're telling you what you can and cannot do. A foreign, oppressive, malicious group in your own neighborhood. Now imagine for a moment that your own neighbor, one of your own friends, a colleague, starts working for this foreign group. Not only are they working for them, they're taking your hard-earned cash. They have the authority to take your money that you've earned to pocket it and then fund this military group. I imagine this person would no longer be very popular in the neighborhood. I don't think they would get invited to the block party, the pool party, the barbecue. This person would probably be quite despised amongst your community. Um, and in a way, this is what's happening to the Jewish people during Jesus' time. Rome is ruling Israel with an iron fist. This foreign militia has taken over Israel, and the Jewish people are at their mercy. And some of these Jews have made a bid, and they've become the infamous thing we know as a tax collector, where they're taking the money from their own community, their own families, their own friends, and they're giving it to Rome. They're funding Rome to make them even more powerful, to continue to establish their rule over Israel. This is why the tax collectors are so, so unbelievably despised by the Jewish people. Tax collector and sinner, the words become synonymous for the Jewish people. They can't tolerate these tax collectors. And that's why this first verse, verse 9 is so powerful. We skim over it because there's not much emphasis put here, but Jesus is calling a tax collector to his team. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. In athletics, a good coach is revered for their ability to build an unstoppable team, an elite team. They want to get the best of the best, Right? so they can compete at a higher level. Jesus is building a team of disciples, and for whatever reason, he's not picking 
the people that we believe that he should pick, the people we would argue are unworthy, he's picking. Because just like everything Jesus does, it's countercultural. He's not saying, I'm picking people based on their performance. I'm simply picking people based on their willingness to step up to the plate. And that's exactly what Matthew does here. It doesn't say that Matthew scrambles for his things. He grabs his, his money, whatever's at the booth. It just says he gets up and he follows him. He's just willing to go. Uh, just, just a fascinating footnote. We know that they're in Capernaum. Okay, Jesus just gave the Sermon on the Mount. He's gathering some disciples. He just got off a boat. Uh, and Capernaum is a northern fishing city on the, sea, the coast of Galilee, the northern part. And I imagine that Matthew is maybe collecting taxes near the docks. This is a fishing, fishing culture. And Jesus goes up and he's recruiting this tax collector that's taxing fishermen. Peter and the disciples, Peter and a good chunk of the disciples, were fishermen. I just wish I was there to see Peter's reaction when he's like, this guy? <laughs> the guy that taxes my livelihood. Because you know Peter always said something. Peter could never keep his mouth shut. And I just wish I was there to hear what Peter said. But I have to imagine that maybe he's even had a run-in with this guy. But Jesus doesn't care. He just says, get up and follow me. And just as important as Jesus' call is Matthew's response that he just gets up. He doesn't grab anything. And just like Matthew, we have two choices. Because all of us have heard the call of Jesus Christ in some way or the other to follow him. Or maybe you're hearing it for the first time today because he's calling you. He's calling you by name. And we have two choices. We can sit at our, our comfy booth and cling to these, these temporary things, the comfortable things, our selfishness, our pride, our love for money, whatever, whatever it is your thing is at your booth. And we can stay where it's comfortable and we can stay where it feels safe or we can get up and we can pursue Jesus like Matthew does. And he's chasing after him. And we fast forward to this evening. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Matthew's being modest here. Okay, we know that Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. And he says, oh yeah, just a couple tax collectors and sinners came over for dinner. But if we look at the Gospel of Luke, Luke's like, it's a, it's a full-blown party. It's a banquet. It's a giant feast. And it, that's so cool because Matthew is crushing it right now. Matthew is doing Christianity 101. He hears the call of Jesus, so he gets up and he repents from his old life. He leaves his old life behind. That's step one. Step two, he's inviting everybody he knows to come encounter the Messiah, to come be in the presence of Jesus Christ. There's moments where I I've, I've, feel like I've been in that situation to invite people to know Jesus Christ, to be in his presence, and I failed, and it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing, and it's sad, and it's scary, because sometimes it's really, it's kind of terrifying sometimes to share the good news of the gospel to people who don't believe. Maybe you've experienced that, and I think about this time when I was a sophomore in high school, um, and I was in my Spanish class, and there was two two seniors on the football team, and I was a sophomore, and I thought they were just the coolest guys in the world. I kind of knew them through football, and so I was go over there, and I was sitting by them, and they were having their conversation, chatting away, and my buddy Brian came over, and he sat with me, and Brian, Brian never been to church. Brian didn't know Jesus at all, and <laughs> Brian 
looked over at me and was like, hey, you like go to that youth group a lot, huh? I was like, yep. He's like, is it fun? Do you like it? And I noticed that these two older kids, who I totally looked up to, who are so insecure, so concerned with what they thought, I noticed that they stopped talking and they looked my way to hear my response. And insecurities got the best of me and I, and I froze and I just stared at my buddy for a moment and until I said, no, <laughs> it's super lame, my mom makes me go. <laughs> And then those guys went back to their conversation and then like for a moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is what Peter felt like when he denied the Lord around, around the fire three times. Like this guilt and the shame just immediately, like I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed and this, this kid that had asked me the question would go on to get recruited straight out of high school into the MLB and play baseball at a professional level. And I'm not a person who lives with like a ton of regret, <laughs> but I think about that conversation all the time. And I'm like, what an amazing platform he had. What if I was honest? What if I was like, yes, you know what? It's incredible that I get to go and feel heard and feel known. Oh boy, gospel always gets me. <laughs> and what if I was like, yes, you know what? It's really cool that I get to go and the creator of the universe, the person that spun the stars in the sky, that knows the hairs on my head, that knit me together in my mother's womb, he knows me by name and he adores me. And I want that for you. What if I had said that? What if I had the courage? He has the best platform in our world. We hold athletes above almost everything else. He has an amazing platform. And I think about that all that time. What if I had the courage? What if I was like Matthew to invite those people into that, including those two older kids that were sitting next to me? Uh, but I didn't. <laughs> and I genuinely, I think about it every time I see a baseball game or somebody brings a baseball, I think about that friend. And my encouragement to you is, is don't make the same mistake I did. Have the courage to declare how fantastic Jesus is to someone. Because you don't want to be down the line thinking about like, man, what if, I, what if I was honest with that person? What if I shared the good news with that person? And I, I totally understand it can be terrifying to tell someone who doesn't know Jesus about how good Jesus is because our world has so twisted Christianity into something it's not. And people are so turned off from it nowadays, it feels. And I know it's scary to tell them, but, but what if? What if we were like Matthew and invited all these people to come and experience the power and the grace of Jesus Christ? When the Pharisees saw Jesus sitting with these people, uh, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, this isn't like a genuine question birthed out of curiosity. They're like, oh, that's so nice. Why is Jesus hanging out with them? <laughs> this, is, this is a question filled with malice. This is to shame Jesus when they ask this. Because they genuinely believe uh, that to be around sinners, especially to eat with sinners, is compromising your holy position before the Lord. A dinner and a meal was so intimate then. You're laying on the ground next to each other. You're sharing everything you're touching. Okay, there's no double-dipping rules. It's a free-for-all. Okay, and they genuinely believe that you would become unclean by eating with these people, by spending time with these people. And they had become so fixated on rules and regulations, they could no longer recognize human need when they saw it before them. 
On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Imagine a doctor who refused to meet with sick people, (laughs) to meet with the injured, to meet with the hurting. He would be really terrible at his job. (laughs) But the good news is Jesus was really, really spectacular at his job. And, you know, when we look at a case of a contagious virus I won't name, uh, we, we encourage people like, okay, you're sick, go quarantine for 14 days. We still love you, go quarantine for 14 days. Come back when you're healthy. Come back when you're healthy. And sometimes we do that with, with maybe a new believer or someone struggling with something in their faith. We say like, you know what, go away. When you, when you sort out your addiction on your own, you can come back. We'll take you back in. You know, um, when you figure out your affair, you can come back. When you're healthy, you can come back. But that's not who Jesus was. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter the baggage that you have, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter what you've said, I want you right now. I want to step into your house, no matter how messy it is, I want to sit at your table and eat with you right now. You don't need to go get healthy. I'm going to walk with you to make you healthy. Jesus continues and says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. The Pharisees had so much pride in their ability to quote scripture. They knew the Old Testament like the back of their hand. They would memorize books and books and books of the Old Testament. And here Jesus is quoting to them. It's from Hosea 6, verse 6. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is saying, like, go and learn what this actually means. I know you know the words. I know you know these words. You have them memorized, but you have no idea how to apply them. Your acts without love mean nothing. Your memorization of these words without love and application, it's empty. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. There is no one righteous. He was the only righteous person alone. Therefore, he's here to call sinners every single person. Every single person falls short of the glory of God, and so he says, I'm here for everyone. Whether the Pharisees or we like it or not, and and to the Pharisees and a lot of us, to call Matthew seems like such a strange choice. To choose Matthew, we, a lot of us would argue, myself included probably if I was a Pharisee, I would argue that he is unworthy to sit at Jesus' table. He is unworthy to be chosen by Jesus. And we all know the sting of how it feels to not be chosen for something. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, there was this super amazing program called the Imagination Station. And they went around to every elementary school in our area, and kids would submit short stories. And they turn in these short stories, and then the Imagination Station would come. It was really cool, and they would actually act out your whole story. And so I heard that they were coming to our school, and even at a very young age, in fourth grade, I was very confident with my storytelling abilities, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. This is my rise to stardom. This is where it all begins. And so I sat down, and I wrote out a story. Uh, And I think the maximum was like you could turn in two pages, and by page like 14, I was like, yes. 
they are going to love this. And so I told this incredible story about this young boy who was a shepherd boy, but he also had a pet wolf, which I know, there's a plot hole. And, uh, but unfortunately, like when this dragon came to eat all of his sheep, it accidentally killed his pet wolf. And so, uh, you know, it's 14 pages of this young man on this just violent and brutal request, request for revenge. And eventually he catches this dragon and he murders it and he disembowels it and he's, you know, he wins the day. And I'm like, how could you not pick this? This is incredible. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I turn in my stack of paper. The day comes and um, they're reading off the winners class by class. So it's like, oh, first grade, Billy Bob wins with his story about the panda, yada, yada, yada. And they get to the fourth grade. And they're like, all right, the winner of the fourth grade, the story that was shown. And I'm like already standing up. I'm like, okay, who outwrote this? This is incredible. And they're like, uh, the winner is Stephen Gingrich with the story of the stinky bunny. And it's exactly as it sounds. There was a bunny that was stinky and he didn't have any friends because he was stinky and then he made friends when he got cleaned up. And I'm like, uh. And I was devastated. I I was straight up in the assembly like like absolutely sobbing for my friends. And my friends were like, being like a little dramatic. I'm like, it was really good. You don't understand. Um, But it's the sting of not being chosen. Someone just told me my story wasn't good enough. That they weren't picking me. And the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus Christ, he says, no matter what your story is, no matter your past, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to, I choose you. I choose your story. Your story's good enough. (laughs) I'm inviting you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you have placed your value in, no matter what other people have told you, I'm choosing you, I'm inviting you to dinner, I'm asking you to come to my table. Yeah. <laughs> and so the beauty is we've all been invited to this table. And our challenge for this week, each week we're going to have a little challenge for you guys. Our challenge uh, is for you to invite someone to the table this week. And not just anybody, not your best friend, not your beloved family member. Someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, each of us can picture someone that like, we've fallen away from. Whether that's just the slow decay of time and you've drifted apart. <laughs> or maybe there was a conflict with your brother, with your cousin, with your sister, with your family member, over something stupid, over something political. Maybe you don't even know why you've drifted apart anymore. But the challenge this week, you guys, as a community, as a family, we're, we're challenging you guys even though we, we may agree that this person is unfit to sit at the table of Jesus, he, he 100% disagrees with that, and he says, hey, if I call you to sit at the table, you can invite this person to sit at the table. That's the challenge this week, is to reconnect with someone over a meal. It can be coffee, it can be a steak dinner, whatever floats your boat. And they might not say yes the first time, Britt and Cole did not say yes to me the first time I asked them to get lunch. But be annoyingly persistent. 
uh, you're going to get a little handout that's going to remind you of this week's challenge. It says, this week, I will reconnect with someone over a meal. If possible, I will pay or cook for that person. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you, despite the messiness of our life and our past, uh, that you say our story is good enough, that you invite us to the table. You are invited to the table. Uh, And Father, we celebrate. We celebrate what you're doing in this community, what you're doing in each one of these people's lives, Lord, and them. We praise you, God, that we are invited. You choose our story every time. Just like you chose Matthew, Father. We're going to continue to worship, and I'd love for you guys to consider, uh, as we close out with a few more songs, that person that you want to invite to dinner this week that you want to grab coffee with. Uh, Because I think that's going to bring Jesus a lot of joy, and I think it's going to bring you a lot of joy too. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at C.